¿Ser o no ser? Esa es la cuestión. ¿Cuál más digna acción del ánimo? Sufrir los tiros penetrantes de la fortuna injusta. O oponer las armas a este torrente a calamidades. Y darles fin con atrevida resistencia. To die. To sleep. No more. And by asleep, to say we end. The heartache and the thousand natural shocks. That flesh is heir to, tis a consummation. Devoutly to be wished. To die. To sleep. To sleep. Perchance to dream. Ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Esta perdición nos hace a todos cobardes. Así, la natural tintura del valor se debilita con los barnices pálidos de la prudencia. Las empresas de mayor importancia, por esta sola consideración, mudan camino. No se ejecutan y se reducen a designios vanos. Pero, soft you now, the fair Ophelia, nymph in thy horizons, be all my sins remember. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Good evening, this is Tony Diaz, a libro traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital, and tonight, We'll be talking about a really cool new anthology, The Bard in the Borderlands. And we'll be chatting with the Borderlands Shakespeare Colectiva. So I want to say hi first to, and I'm going to be very formal with them because they are all doctors, which is awesome. We've got four PhDs on the air with us. And uh, first we'll say hi to Dr. Catherine Gillen. Thank you for joining us. It's great to see you on the air. We've seen you in person talking about the book. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And we're going to tell folks not only about the book, how they can meet you and this extensive tour, but also how they can wind up teaching this in their classroom at either the high school level. We've got other levels of education as well. And if you want to be a teacher, we're going to have plans, a curriculum guides for folks who want to become teachers as well. We also have uh, Dr. Catherine Romero Santos. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Tony, for having us. No, it's fantastic. We've been planning this for months, so it's great for this to, to come to fruition. And we're also joined by the third editor of this amazing work, Dr. Adriana M. Santos. Great to see you again. Thanks so much, Tony. Excited to be here. And an ally, but also an expert on all of these topics, Dr. Brenda Sarmiento Quesada. Thank you for joining us, and you'll be giving some great insights as well as writing some of the curriculum guides for this book. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tony. Thank you. I'm very excited to be right next to La Colectiva, and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. Now, for folks tuning in, of course, this is what you expect from Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Our goal is to make sure that we reach our community in every way, shape, or form, be it through 
free radio to 400,000 watts to the fourth largest in America, or through any platform that you can imagine for podcasts. But also, we come to you in person. And as you know, during 2023, every second Friday in the month, you'll get to experience a great event at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center in San Antonio. Our September feature will be The Bard in the Borderlands. What does that mean? You get to meet the editors. You get to meet some of the contributors. More importantly, you get to have your hands on a hard copy. And we got to start collecting your emails so that when the curriculum guides are ready for high school as well as other grades and for teachers who teach teachers, we want to make sure you're the first to get them. So we're going to tell you a lot about that and so many other important aspects of this work. And I'm going to go through and give a, a little more formal introduction to, to our colleagues and friends, mostly so that you know what we're bringing to the table. But also, um, we're going to wind up introducing the three co-editors first, and then we're going to go to Dr. Brenda Sarmiento Quesada so that she can read an excerpt from this amazing work. As I introduce each of them, I'm going to have them say a little bit about what this work means to them, because to me, this is a brilliant way to update the work of Shakespeare, similar to the way that he updated the forms of his time, in my humble opinion, similar way to the Cervantes did it. But when we're done with the show, you're going to want to get your hands on the book because it's going to thrill students. So first up, we'll talk to uh, Dr. Catherine Gillen, a professor of English at Texas A&M San Antonio, the author of the previous monograph, Chaste Value, Economic Crisis, Female Chastity, and the Production of Social Difference on Shakespeare's Stage. Uh, Catherine, tell folks a little bit about why this book, to me, is so important and why you think teachers will really love this work. Well, the three of us, Adriana, Katie, and I, started to really see that students in our classrooms were resonating with Shakespeare in really interesting ways, but also that students were hoping to make more cultural connections that spoke to their own lived experiences. And then we also started learning about these adaptations of Shakespeare that were set in Mexican-American communities and in borderlands contexts of various sorts. And the more we learned about this, the more excited we were to learn about this artistic tradition and to learn about the ways in which Chicanx and indigenous writers um, and other artists were really bringing Shakespeare together with um, a range of Chicanx and indigenous stories. So we're really excited. It's a three volume anthology. The first volume is out um, and the first volume contains um, six plays that are primarily adaptations of Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet, which of course are plays that are very commonly taught at high school and college levels. So we're really excited for teachers and students to be able to access these plays and to bring more culturally sustaining approaches to teaching Shakespeare to their classes. It's also, we see it as kind of a way to um, get more Mexican American literature into classrooms as well. And so these works have been been published, tested, and, and they've been performed or presented before. Um, is that fair to say that they've sort of been experienced, tried and true, and, and have worked? 
Absolutely. We've um, been really excited to see how many of these plays there are. There are several from theaters in California, in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And they're really great. For example, um, there's a wonderful um, play that we might talk about a little bit more, The Tragic Corrido of Romeo and Lupe, which is set in the Rio Grande Valley. And it's set in a farm working community. And it's um, a play by Ceres Jaime Magana. And it really draws on some of the conventions of Chicano Teatro to really call attention to issues of um, water rights, labor rights, environmental justice more broadly. But it's also a Romeo and Juliet story. So it's like a love story. And it's, um, you know, very like heartwarming in some ways, but also really calling attention to pressing social justice concerns. Um, and so um, Adriana and I had the chance to see that play performed and it really spoke to audience members of a range of age groups. And we're gonna have you back in a bit to read one of the experts you wanna draw attention to. And right now, I wanna hear from Dr. Catherine Santos, a professor of English and co-director of the Humanities Collective at Trinity University, author of the forthcoming 2024 monograph, Shakespeare in Tongues from Rutledge. So welcome to the show and tell folks a little bit about your perspective on how this work is cutting edge and what we may not have mentioned so far. Well, I think one of the reasons why this work is so cutting edge is that the premise is that we've created an anthology that's about Shakespeare or authors who are engaging with Shakespeare, but Shakespeare really quickly fades into the background of these plays. And what we have are examples of Chicanex and indigenous plays that deserve to be taught, that deserve to be published. And the thing that I find really remarkable about teaching with these plays is that they become this occasion in the classroom, not just to learn about Shakespeare, but to learn about the places where we live. Um, and I've said this example on the radio in several capacities, but it's too good not to share here, which is that I was teaching one of these plays, which features a corridista, and students were in charge of the class discussion that day. And their job was to explain the contexts of these plays based on research. And you know, one of my Mexican-American students said, I never thought that I'd be able to talk about corridos in a classroom, never mind in a Shakespeare classroom. And that was such a powerful moment because she was the cultural authority in the room, not necessarily Shakespeare. Folks don't appreciate how scholars have to have that moment. And, and I would argue that um, other scholars from other backgrounds, especially if they're Anglo or have grad or from a family, whether the fourth or fifth to go to the university, they they felt that earlier on. It's amazing then that you've got these scholars that can see that happen before their very eyes, which perhaps that is what I said earlier. I felt that that's kind of what Shakespeare was doing at the time instead of on. Is that a fair analogy? Well, I think so. I mean, I think Shakespeare was writing um, for popular audiences. He was taking material that he was reading from other languages, from history books, and he was thinking about how to create entertainment, but also to make political statements about the world around him. So I, I definitely think that the energies in Shakespeare's texts are the same kinds of energies that we see dramatists using today, particularly in regions where politics are fraught, where questions about identity are fraught. Um, and so Shakespeare, I think, is not so fixed in time as he might seem. And what these playwrights are picking up on are these resonances and these energies that are, are in Shakespeare, but are not 
automatically universal, right? These these texts are not representative of everyone's experience, but have within them the capacity for people to fill in those gaps or to find something to be in conversation with. Latino writers having to say, we are talking to the editors of The Bard in the Borderlands. And this is going to be a really cool way to thrill students of several age groups with the past as well as their 
current experiences. And next up, also editor of the work, Dr. Adriana Santos, professor of English at Texas A&M San Antonio and the author of Cicatriz Poetics, Trauma and the Healing in the Literary Borderlands Beyond Survival. Uh, Adriana, what have we missed out that, that can help summarize this work and, and give the agency and joy? I mean, it really is such a cool work. I, I hope that people tuning in will, will get fired up about it. Why should they get fired up about this cool book? Well, Tony, um, I'm a product of the Texas public education system and um, Mexican-American, and I, for one, did not get a chance to read a lot about my history and culture as a student. Um, this was 20 years ago, and I think the situation is still just as dire for um, students who want to see themselves represented in the curriculum. So for me, this is exciting because students are able to approach the text through a multilingual lens. They're able to see um, different various parts of their history and culture that may not necessarily be taught in a history classroom or um, a literature classroom if it were not for these incredible artists that are bringing those stories to life for them. We're gonna bring all three of the editors back in a little bit where they can focus on an excerpt that they want to highlight. I want to stress, we can't convey the entire book in this short show, but we do want to let you know about the work. Also, we want to let you know that these particular folks will form part of the Texas author series. I'm proud to serve as the literary curator for the Latino bookstore at the cultural, at the Guadalupe cultural arts center the second Friday of September, which will be September 8th uh, at 6 p.m., totally free. Uh, you'll be there reading from the work as well as having some folks that are involved with the book uh, talk as well as read. And people can pick up the book, get their signed copy. If you missed that and you're catching this broadcast later, don't feel bad. Be glad that you found out about the book and you can spread the word. And I want you to know, the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center through the support of the Congressman Joaquin Castro. And you're going to mention some of the other folks in a little bit supporting the book. There's going to be free lesson plans for high school, as well as folks going to be teachers. So we'll catch everybody up on that in just a little bit. Um, and then now I want to bring up Dr. Brenda Sarmiento Quesada, Assistant Professor of Literacy and Language Education at Purdue University, and you're actually going to read an excerpt. You're a fan of this work. Tell us what you love so much about this book, and tell us then why you want to bring our attention to the particular reading you're going to share with us. And interpretar. Lo vas a interpretar para nosotros en inglés, Spanglish, and English. We'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am a very big believer in this work. I think, you know, Adriana said it very well. She's a product of Texas public education. A lot of times she didn't see herself and her culture reflected in the works that you know she was reading in the classroom. And I think that is something that we can all identify with. When I came across La Colectiva, when I came across you know all of this compilation of work, uh, it really gave a completely different lens on how to approach Shakespeare. I grew up in Mexico and most of my Shakespeare reading in middle school and beginning of high school were done in Spanish. I came to the United States and then 
it switched to all English and it was a little bit of a dissonance. I couldn't quite make sometimes that connection, you know, sometimes depending on the translations. So it was tough. I actually selected this particular excerpt because it's from Hamlet. It is the famous soliloquy of to be or not to be. And I think everybody at some point in their life has encountered that soliloquy. And one of the wonderful texts here in, in this book is called Hamlet, El Principe de Denmark. And what the author does, and it's Tara Moses, is she does a bilingual soliloquy. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we can talk about it. Ser o no ser, esa es la cuestión. ¿Cuál más digna acción del ánimo? Sufrir los tiros penetrantes de la fortuna injusta. U oponer las armas a este torrente a calamidades. Y darles fin con atrevida resistencia. To die. To sleep. No more. And by asleep to say we end, the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to tis a consummation, devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Esta perdición nos hace a todos cobardes. Así, la natural tintura del valor se debilita con los barnices pálidos de la prudencia. Las empresas de mayor importancia, por esta sola consideración, mudan camino. No se ejecutan y se reducen a designios vanos. Pero, soft you now, the fair Ophelia, nymph in thy horizons, be all my sins remembered. Oh. Conspira mis suspiros en contra de mis ganas cuando pasas y te miro y más allá de lo instintivo tus ojos tienen algo que de tu 
amor sastre es hacer un desastre con mi corazón. ¿Qué se siente que me gustes tanto amor que debo de aceptar que te comiendo de tu encanto? ¿Qué se siente que me gustes tanto amor que si un día tú te vas con alguien más yo voy Dr. Sarmiento Quesada, tell us a little bit about why that that particular passage uh, rings true for you. So again, going back to what Adriana said, as a bilingual person myself, you know, being able to read and interpret this work bilingually, not having to compartmentalize my languages and be able to really flow as I'm reading allows me to understand the material better, allows me to connect better with it. And one of the very interesting things about this particular play and the why the, the way that Terra Moses does it is that it gives a lens. So if you're familiar with Hamlet, the ghost of Hamlet's father appears and the way that it's interpreted in this play, it's through an indigenous framework. In this case, Hamlet is really reflecting and really constrained and really in his in-betweenness of his Christian beliefs and his indigenous beliefs. And I think as Mexican-Americans, as immigrants, as bilinguals, we're always stuck in that in-betweenness. And I think this lends very well also into really allowing our students, allowing our teachers, allowing ourselves as readers to really think about and internalize and talk about also as our identity and how we are sometimes really stuck in this in-between worlds. We're presented with certain constraints, with, you know, through the pressure to assimilate into these structures, but then we have our true selves. This and other plays, you know, this this particular one, but there is another one. There's a couple of other ones in this in this volume, Language of Flowers, in which it does the same thing. And it really brings together, I think, who we are when we are looking at our identity in the classroom as someone who's creating curriculum that is thinking about not only our high school students who are in a very critical time in their developing, but also college students. We're talking about college students who are in their late teens, early 20s, and they're being tasked to make a very important decision in their life of picking what they're going to be doing for the rest of their life. And sometimes it's the fact of, of allowing them a window to be seen, like Tora Santos said, you know, to have that one student say, I never really thought, you know, I was going to be able to to read this in, in, in class. You know, you're giving them that agency and ultimately was what, that's what we want. Um, by creating curriculums and why we want to bring this type of works into the classroom uh, at the high school level, at the higher ed uh, level, because it's giving our students agency, it's giving them representation, inclusivity, and like like it was already mentioned, you know, it's giving, positioning them as a cultural authority, and it's probably the first time that they've been that in the classroom. So to me, this soliloquy was just 
when I read it, you know, it really resonated. It brought a lot of elements regarding identity that I think are very important and representative of what's happening in our classrooms across the nations, not just in Texas. Thank you. Thank you for that. Adriana, um, so is that some of the concepts that you want to convey to educators? Because I think folks are tuning in. I want them to hear the cool the cool excerpts. Um, I want them to hear the updates. They may get a little overwhelmed because we're throwing so much at them. But in a curriculum guide specific to teachers, I think Brenda broke down some elements that we can then share through curriculum guides. Um, and then um, Adriana, you also had an excerpt you want to draw attention to, but did you want to add anything to what, to what Brenda was talking about, especially when she winds up conveying that to other educators? Um, I think Dr. Quezada really um, hit the nail on the head, summarized beautifully uh, the stakes and um, how important these works are and the various ways that they can be approached by educators. Um, what I would like to add is that these works are also being um, reimagined through the lens of um, queer studies. And so the excerpt that I wanted to share with you today was also inspired by Shakespeare's Hamlet, but in this case was um, reimagined to be a short, one-act play um, in which the character of Ophelia is changed into um, a queer Latino man named Ophelio. And it premiered as part of the Midtown Arts and Theater Center Houston in 2017. It was part of a campaign against sexual violence prevention. Um, in order to educate and mobilize LGBTQ communities of color around these important social justice issues. And so what we have here is Shakespeare's character um, revisioned as a contemporary gay Latino man. And in the play, he says, what can grow in the wake of his brush fire? I coat myself in mud, I cool myself with the earth's soil, my armor against the elements so that he doesn't burn me anymore. Under the force of his chest, he pressed me deeper into this mud, not by choice, but by reality. Into my own little cave under the ground, he dug my body in deep. I heave caked on the ground after he finishes and walk away, left in pieces, scattered all over his floor, ready to give a final exhale. And I wonder if a purple pansy can ever grow again. So here we have um, this experience of sexual assault that is realized through this um, poetic language. And it really gives our audiences um, a chance to see how sexual violence can be represented and also healed through writing. And I think that's a really important tool to give to um, young people and just to audiences in general, this um, idea of sexual assault is very taboo or has been very taboo to talk about 
Um, and so I think giving people opportunities to really um, heal from this and to talk about it and to bring these issues to light is really important for our communities. Hasta los más valentones se nos nubla la razón si de irracionales celos nos llenan el corazón trocando en hieles amargas al más deleitoso amor quien iba que Otelo, migrante en tierras ajenas, llegaría a ser general cuando cruzó la frontera, llevando cual contrabando su negra y lejana herencia. Fue el palacio de Venecia. Casa, respeto y buen trato Y así fue hasta que una noche Las cosas se complicaron Otelo encontró el amor En Desdemona encarnado Al ver tan bella negrura Pensó ella sus adentros ninguna de mis amigas tiene uno de este modelo se enamoró a la primera del exótico fuereño amor tan pretendido que Otelo se había ganado alboroto un hormiguero de envidias en el palacio peor se puso cuando aquellos su cariño consumaron a Otelo la cabecita le anegaron con achares que desde Mona con otro calienta infiel tu petate que otro pedale a tu bici que otro rechina tu catre ebrio de rabia asesina y cegado a quien lo amó y le fue fiel Le hundió una daga en el pecho Creyendo que apuñalaba A la que manchó su lecho Si entre tamales de dulce Uno de chivo te dieron No culpes a sin ver quién los puso al fuego 
No tiene la culpa el chivo Ni perdona el tamalero Well, and of course, we at Nuestra Palabra love that you're also promoting work of Josh Inocencio, who is a big friend of the show. We've had him on the show. I've gotten to see his performances. So talented. And I think what's really powerful is that here is someone from our own backyard, now in this nationally published anthology, now in this curriculum guide. And this really is a remarkable way then, not only to update, you know, uh, Shakespeare, but to launch the careers of new writers. So thank you for doing all that and putting so much care and love and genius into this. So it's having such a huge impact. You you witnessing this live on 90.1 FM, KPFT Houston's community station. You can call 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org to donate to a station and a radio show that does not play. Actually, we have a lot of fun we ain't playing. You are shattering barriers, launching careers, and edifying a community that has been overlooked, attacked, or invisible, but no more. So that really is uh, powerful that you can do that with literature. Thank you so much for, for, for doing that. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Uh, Catherine Gillen to share to share the excerpt that, that uh, you wanted to draw our attention to. And I want to remind folks, too, that you can meet them all in person. And if you missed it, you can still get copies of the amazing book, uh, The Bard in the Borderlands at the Latino Bookstore. They have formed part of the of the uh, Latino Bookstore's Texas author series. And you can make this part of your family library, public library, school library, or underground library. Uh, Dr. Gillen, uh, please share what you brought. Yeah, I love what you all have been talking about in terms of the knowledge that comes from our own communities and highlighting Texas authors, especially in Texas classrooms. So I wanted to share um, a little bit from the tragic corrido of Romeo and Lupe, which is by Ceres Jaime Magana, who is a playwright and director who lives and poet who lives in the Valley. And this play, as Katie was kind of referring to earlier, it opens with a corridista rather than Shakespeare's prologue um, and then chorus. And the corridista reminds audiences to no le digas no al amor, and then sets up the uh, play, sets the scene and says, here in the Magic Valley, in the Republic of Texas, on these fertile lands of opportunity, covered in blood and strife, blooms a forbidden love. So already the play is grounded in the landscapes um, and also histories and culture of the valley. And for Lupe, whose name evokes um, the La Virgen de Guadalupe, um, she really firmly believes that her love um, with Romeo resides in that space. And she talks about them as bridging, um, bridging cultures, bridging nationalities, bridging languages. And the play is also bilingual. And so when it seems as though they will be torn apart, she asks, how can destiny pull me and Romeo apart this way? If the future of our love is here, in La Frontera, where his and my world met into this beautiful happening, must our worlds go on to be separate, like the sun and the moon are always at opposite ends of the sky? 
Was this instant we had together nothing but a passing eclipse? And then she says, I wish I could fall into a deep sleep and wake up to find that the world had moved on. And next to me is my querido Romeo. And together we enter a new world where we love one another por toda la eternidad. And so here she is reconfiguring a tragic ending, right, into a somewhat more hopeful ending in which she and Romeo or Romeo are able to um, live on together. Um, and several of the plays gesture toward an indigenous or Chicanx kind of afterlife that's informed by indigenous Mexica um, thinking. And so here um, they're hopeful um, that they will be able to be together. And later she says when they die, she says, well, it was, uh, it was perfect it is as it should have been. And so I really love this play for thinking about the Valley and also helping students to draw on their own um, expertise and knowledge to um, you know, shed light on this play, but also as people have been saying to really think about how their perspectives it can lead to really brilliant interpretations and reimaginings of all kinds of literary texts and other things in the world around them.
totalmente diferentes Dos mundos separados Un amor indestructible Ya nada es imposible Como Romeo y Julieta Hasta que la muerte no se pare in and of themselves, as you mentioned. So they, they stand on their own and they've been published or performed. So that that's one important thing. I think additionally, you've touched on just how someone new to literature in a high school classroom, they're going to connect to something which is so magical. But then you've also pointed out how if someone wants to do further research, uh, apply more themes, there's so much rich material for PhDs and scholars as well. So what a wonderful way to convey literature. This is the anthology uh, that is bringing ushered forth and launched the Bard in the Borderlands. We're talking to the Borderlands Shakespeare Collectiva and we're celebrating the launch of the book, the oncoming lesson plans, the several events. We're going to talk to Adriana about all the events and some of the other uh, folks that have been involved in getting the book out. But we're also so happy that we're joining several movements, including the Latino Bookstores Texas Author Series, which on September 8th is proud to host uh, The Bard in the Borderlands. And from then on, we'll have copies available for the community. Uh, Adriana, you wanted to mention some of the other um, folks involved in getting this work uh, to, to the public. Sure, Tony, thanks. What, what I wanted to highlight was just some of the activities that the Borderland Shakespeare Colectiva is committed to. Um, we are currently um, planning sort of like a, a tour in which we'll be talking about the book and also um, working with several different community partners and universities um, to involve students in the work. You see Nuestra Palabra radio show as our very first appearance here on our fall uh, upcoming events list. But we will also be um, doing a Humanities Texas webinar for teachers here um, in Texas. This is sort of like our Texas tour. Um, we'll be going to the University of Texas at El Paso to participate as part of um, a Shakespeare festival. And we'll be working with students um, in the theater department. And we're also going to be um, doing an event at Texas Lutheran University that will involve the Mexican-American Student Association, as well as the Women's um, Studies Department. Also, we'll be at our very own Texas A&M University, San Antonio, um, as part of my Borderlands performance 
Plus, I'm going to have um, Drs. Gillen and Santos come in and we'll be hosting a public event also for um, the community to hear more about the book. And then finally, we'll be rounding out in your neck of the woods at the University of Houston downtown. Um, cool. so I can't wait to, to meet up again in Houston. And it was great when you came to visit us at the Knox Tejas Foco Mixed American Studies Summit as well. That was really a great panel. It's great to hear hear your takes on the book and hear some excerpts on it. It was so exciting to see some of the original student work as well. It really is magical. And let's also talk about the lesson plans coming forward. So I do want to remind folks that through a generous grant from Congressman Joaquin Castro's office, the Latino Bookstore is creating curriculum guides for schools, and that includes uh, grammar school, middle school, and high school. So we've contracted uh, Araceli Manriquez, who's brilliant, to write the high school curriculum guides for this book. So if you're a high school teacher and you want curriculum guides for this, please get in touch with us. Any of us, we're going to share emails so that we can make sure that this gets into your classroom. Uh, tell us a little bit about the higher ed components and tools for this. Well, we're, first of all, very excited to be thinking with Brenda about how to teach teachers, right? So we can equip teachers who are currently in the classrooms um, with lesson plans, but there's so much work to be done in um, the higher education space when it comes to education and particularly bilingual education and Latinx populations, not just in the borderlands, but as Brenda has, has stressed to us, um, people in the Midwest, for example. Um, but the three of us have also been thinking about how we can create lesson plans based on our own teaching that will eventually live on a website. So, for example, a lesson plan on corridos. What? How do you teach the context of these corridistas that we find in these plays? Um, or a lesson plan on indigenous languages and current efforts to reclaim indigenous languages and the efforts of which we see um, in these plays. Um, another example um, of a lesson plan that we've been thinking about is how to pair the Hamlet to be or not to be soliloquy with some border Hamlet poems that we see by authors like Guillermo Gomez Peña or Iris de Anda. Tú, tus ojos gigantes, y el olor a una flor que respira. Brillantes 
that's so cool. And I'm looking forward to, to all those aspects. We look forward to updating folks on that. And exactly like you say, I think this is a way where folks who felt that their voices haven't been heard can really connect to, to, to these works, literature, and become lifelong readers, writers, and, and just keep pushing to get more access. And of course, sometimes parents get scared that we're creating a, an army of poets and just all poets. I remind them it's hard to create. It's hard to create a poet. It's hard to talk them out of it. But these readers become fantastic professors, lawyers, scientists, elected officials, and that's the other goal. Uh, Dr. Gillen, did we overlook anything? This is a lot of stuff, so I want folks to know it's a fun book. These are some great scholars, and you're gonna have a great time when you meet them in person at the Latino Bookstore or any other events that you've mentioned. Uh, Dr. Gillen, anything we forgot to mention? Well, we are definitely excited to see you all at some of our events. You're very, people are welcome to join the Colectiva, and we're happy to continue this conversation in various forms. We are hosting a conference in San Antonio in March, so we will be sharing more information about that through various avenues, but we're really looking forward to having a range of people join us, so teachers, scholars, activists artists, theater um, practitioners of various sorts. So to us, it really is a collective community-oriented endeavor, and we're really hoping for many people to bring their perspectives to bear on this. And we're learning about new Borderland Shakespeare adaptations, appropriations, spin-offs, fan fiction, all kinds of things. Like every week we'll learn about something new. Um, and we're learning about the ways in which these plays uh, or other works are not really just about Shakespeare, but they're engaging with so many other stories. So many of um, these uh, works in the anthology deal with myths like the Yorona story or nice. other indigenous um, myths. And so we're just really excited to have people share that knowledge that they have, share what they're working on. And we'd really love to be in conversation with people. That's so exciting. We've been chatting with the editors of the amazing anthology, The Bard in the Borderlands. And those editors are Dr. Catherine Gillen, Dr. Catherine Mormero Santos, Dr. Adriana M. Santos, and I look forward to getting to see them again at the Latino Bookstore Friday, September 8th, and every second Friday of the month, you can expect something amazing at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, Latino Bookstore. And we've also been chatting with Dr. Brenda Sarmiento Quesada, who is a pedagogy expert, curriculum expert, and she is supporting that work. So we're so glad that you've all joined us and I want to thank our team. I want to thank Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who is our sound engineer and helps us sound fantastic on the radio. And also want to thank Roxana Guzman, who is our multi-platform uh, producer. Uh, and again, uh, we are on KPFT 90.1 FM. And if you want to support community radio and make sure that we keep bringing you content like this, cutting-edge authors, cutting-edge thinkers, cutting-edge scholars, all from the community, helping build the community, please continue to support KPFT in the name of Nuestra Palabra, and you can do that by going to kpft.org or call 713-526-573. I'm Tony Diaz, Libre Traficante, and I look forward to seeing you all behind the book. Thank you all so much. Thank you.
Dice basta ya, que cuando hablas de hambre Dice basta ya, porque nada de eso te puede elevar 